Okay. Uh, tell me when Hi. you want me to clap. Hi. <laughs> Ready? Hold on, Three, I gotta put my two. mic down to do it. <laughs> Three, two, one. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> why? Why? Why is it like that? What do you mean? Why are you holding it? So my mount was doing great, and then it wasn't. But for some reason, I cannot find the actual mount for my mic. So I don't have a mount for it. So I'm holding it. And I'm also recording from my bed because the chair is still full. And I was too lazy to empty it. Fair. That is fair. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, hi, everybody. Hello. We don't have too much to catch up on since we just saw each other a day ago. We just saw each other a day ago. How are you feeling? Good. I'm exhausted. I slept a whole lot today, to be honest. And then I did my research. Good. Yeah. Like a good noodle. You're a good noodle. Sometimes. You're not a good noodle. Wow. That's rude. You're not. It's Ringo. Oh, okay. Well, he's a good noodle. (laughs) He just whacked his head on the desk. Guys. (laughs) Poor baby. I feel like my audio seems really low until I talk like at this level. You talk at what level? I don't know. When I talk at like my normal, I guess, no, it looks okay now. It doesn't look that bad. I'm just not projecting very well since I'm tired. (laughs) Yeah. That's okay. Um, But yeah, hope everybody had a great week. Uh, We did not record the week before last and we're recording a little late this week because... Liz came and visited so we could play a big D&D session for hers and Chris's birthday. And it was fantastic. It was so much fun. And I was watching the videos I took of you and they're hilarious. I want to see them. I will send them to you because they're really funny. I showed you the pictures I took of you. I know. And I will send you those videos because they're they're pretty darn funny. Do they make you laugh? Do they make you happy? Yeah. 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 Good. Yeah. I'm glad I could contribute to your serotonin. Thanks. Yeah. It's been good. And Umbersil's still doing okay. So for everybody who uh, <laughs> doesn't know us like super personally, my dog Umbersil just got neutered on Tuesday. He's doing pretty good. I kept his testicles. And she's going to shrine them. Yeah. Well, actually, you said you wanted them shrined. I think they should be shrined, but I thought you were saying that's what you were going to do. Oh, no, I'm just keeping them on display. I think you should build them a shrine. Well, I already have one shrine dedicated to Rick and Morty in our house. I don't need two shrines. Why? Well, I guess I guess there's nothing wrong with having a shrine to testicles. There isn't. <laughs> and then you can add Chris's later. Yes. No, no, no. We're going to turn Chris's into bouncy balls, remember? Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Apparently, um, for everybody who doesn't know this, if you fill testicles with peroxide after you remove them and sew them back up, they become bouncy balls. So anybody looking to get rid of uh, testicles, you can turn them into fun toys. Super fun toys. Um, Yeah. So that was that was a little bit of an adventure this week. And I got my eyeliner tattooed on me and it's healed up. And it looks really, really good. Like, you can't really see it in the monitor, but it you looks... You can see it a little bit. Can you see it, her eyeliner? Yes. It looks fabulous. 
Well done. She did a really good job, and it was a really affordable <laughs> price. I was, I was Her a little bit nervous. Were so swollen. <laughs> they were. It looked like I had cried for eight hours, and then also not slept for another twenty-four hours, which is basically true. But but it didn't hurt that bad, and she did a really good job. So I'm pleased with them. I think they turned out wonderful. Thanks. Did you hit a storm on Much the way home? Much better than what I imagined. Oh, thank you. I did not. I missed it. I missed it. So that was nice. Good. I'm happy to hear that. I was a little nervous that you were going to be stuck in a storm. I was, we, me and Chris felt really bad. <laughs> no, I missed it. Good. Okay. Um, I don't know if, I think it hit after I got home. Oh, okay. So that's when I was good. Yeah. So I think it was moving slower than what they anticipated because by the time I was like getting to Flagstaff is when like the lightning storm started. Oh, so. okay. It was pretty cool to watch, though. I had my pen, and I don't know where I put it. I want you to know, I set 15-minute timers to get home, so I was made sure that I was awake and and focused, and so it broke down the trip. I feel so bad. Why? Because you stayed up all night because of me, and then you stayed all day because of me, Chris, and Isaiah. I enjoyed it. I had a blast. Well, good. I had a blast, too. I did feel like trash, but I don't know why that was a thing. How are you feeling today? Good. Good. A little sleepy. Oh, yeah, but I not feel. not bad. Well, I don't know if you want to dive into it. Let's dive. All right. Hi, guys. I'm Liz. And I'm Allie. And welcome to That Shit Is Fucked. A.K.A. T.S.I.F. If it's weird, speaky, spooky, speaky, koopy, creepy, <laughs> speak up the ha. Damn, we haven't had to restart in so long. All right, try that again. All right. Hi, guys. I'm Liz. And I'm Allie. And welcome to That Shit Is Fucked. A.K.A. T.S.I.F. If it's weird, spooky, creepy, or just fucked up, we're going to be talking about it. So if you're into the fucked up shit like we are, strap on in and we'll take you for a ride. Buckle up, motherfuckers. Wee, wee, bee. All right, guys. So uh, this week we are wrapping up an absolutely epic case. Part four. I have never done a poor, a poor fart. I have never done a f- <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure you have done a poor fart at some point in your life. I don't know what an, I don't know what a rich fart is. I don't know if it's like enriching, if it's supposed to be an enriching fart versus uh, a poor fart. But I'm Aren't sure you've done both. Enriching? I don't know. Are they to some degree? Anyways, uh, so today is part four of my coverage of the West Memphis 3 case. And in case you haven't been able to tell, Allie's having trouble speaking Mm -hmm. today. Before I start, I have to apologize because in the last episode when I was writing my notes, I think I had an aneurysm. And instead of writing Michael Moore, I wrote Mark (gasps) in my notes. So that's what I said. So I apologize. His name is not Mark. His name is Michael Moore. That is one of the victims. But moving on. 
So in the first three parts of this series, we spoke a lot about how Jesse, Miss Kelly, Jason Baldwin, and Damian Eccles were innocent of the heinous murders of the three boys by the name of Christopher Byers, Stevie Branch, and Michael Moore. And just as a little recap, they were eight years old. They were found in a creek in a forest called the Robin Hood Hills Forest, I believe, in West Memphis, Arkansas in 1993. They were found tied up. One of their genitals had been mutilated and it was just, it was an absolutely um, atrocious murder that had occurred. And unfortunately, the three they had been accused, uh, Jesse, Miss Kelly, Jason Baldwin, and Damien Nichols had been accused of the murders and ended up convicted for the crimes. On a not so lucky, lucky note, they were released from prison on an Albert plea, which basically says that they uphold their innocence, but do recognize that they were convicted as guilty, which I think is just the weirdest, weirdest plea I've ever heard. That is very weird. I wonder if it's due to the lack of evidence that they had that they were able to do that. It could be. It could be. Um, I'm And I, I'll get, anyways, sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> my my train of thought was going off on a crazy train. <laughs> Switch courses. That was stupid. Please take that out. Mm-hmm. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about some of the theories um, about who actually killed the boys. Spoiler alert. As of now, there is no one that other than the West Memphis Three who has actually been convicted of this murder without a reasonable doubt. So you said these are all Which just I do theories? find really interesting. Yes, at this point, these are all just theories. But um, the couple of theories that I'm going to talk about are the Bojangles man, which I know I briefly touched on in the last couple episodes, just mentioning his name, Terry Hobbs and John Mark Byers. Terry Hobbs was the stepfather of Stevie Branch. Okay. And of course, we already know the name John Mark Byers. He was the stepfather to uh, Christopher Byers, but he also had adopted him. So he was at legally, by all intents and purposes, his father. Mm-hmm. We're all, we're, we're going to start with John Mark Byers. During the documentary Paradise Lost, Byers displayed a lot of erratic behavior, which I had kind of talked about in a previous episode. And he was just kind of like the center of attention. Um, now, this has been attributed to drug and alcohol abuse. I know we talked about at one point how he gave the documentary a uh, knife that ended up being turned over to the West Memphis Police Department that was tested for DNA. And as it turned out, there was DNA on the knife. It was concluded to have been either from Mark or Chris Byers. And given that they weren't biologically related, that fact came off as really, really odd. That is very odd to me. Yeah, like they wouldn't have the same DNA. Right. Now, Byers did also have quite a habit of changing his stories when being questions about events or actions concerning the case. The knife situation being a prime example of that. I know, like I said, I did briefly touch upon that. In one point, he claimed that he had never used the knife. At another point, he said that he had broken down venison with it. But at the same time, he also said at one point that he had accidentally cut himself with it. So it was just kind of mixed messages, mixed answers. It was super weird. The whole time this was happening, he was also really, really outspoken about how he felt about the West Memphis Three and how he was convinced they were guilty and wanted to see them pay for their crimes. Mm -hmm. Now, some people kind of said that 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 seemed like he was just trying to point blame off of anyone but himself, you know? Yeah, 
Like the the act of diversion. Yeah, and projecting. Um, Now, John Mark Byers did have a criminal history, which does make it easy to look at him as a potential suspect. Uh, Some of the charges on his record are drug charges, domestic abuse, and theft. I know he, like, I believe in one article I read, he had, it was reported by his parents that he had threatened them with a, uh, a knife at one point. And what's interesting about some of these charges, specifically one of his domestic abuse charges against his first wife, that charge was expunged by a judge. Why? I don't know why, but what's interesting about it is who the judge was. The judge that expunged his, his uh, charge was David Burnett. The same judge that the that the boys had? Yep. Interesting. Like, he must have been the only fucking judge in this goddamn county. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's so, not odd, but that's still, like, weird. That's shady. Right. It seemed, so from my understanding, it kind of seemed like Byers had a pretty decent relationship with law enforcement, despite breaking the law really often. And one thing that one of the articles I read pointed out was that Chris Byers seemed to have gotten the brunt of the abuse during the murder. He was, he was the one who had his genitals mauled, basically. A lot of people kind of felt that that could indicate that the attack was a little bit more personal when it came to Chris. And it would make sense for the boys to be willing to go somewhere secluded with Mark since he was a figure that they trusted. None of these things actually do conclude that he was the murder for murderer. And to be honest, I'm really not sure that I believe he committed this crime. Just like with the West Memphis Three, there was no real physical evidence tying him to the crime. And he may have come off as like weird and over the top to the public. But in all honesty, it kind of seemed like he could have played up his craziness kind of for the documentary you know because I'm pretty sure that all the people involved probably had paychecks coming from it and he seems like the type of person who would want to stay the center of attention for that money yeah you know they he was a lower middle class blue collar guy you know there's you know and plus you know people do a lot of weird and crazy things when they're on drugs Yes, but just because you're a drug addict doesn't mean you're a murderer. No, not at all. Not mm-hmm. at all. But, you know, but he's drugs still make very you shady. act kind of crazy. You know what I'm saying? So that doesn't attribute him to being a murderer. Yes. You know, him being a little... Now, it was really interesting to me, though. Apparently, later on, John Mark Byers ended up apologizing to Damien, Jesse, and Jason. Actually, at one point, he had even began campaigning for their innocence And ended up setting the public's eye on Terry Hobbs, who we'll cover a little bit later on. He was even on record as calling Hobbs a, quote, baby killer outside of a courthouse in Arkansas. Wow. Mm -hmm. Baby killer. Um, Now, John. Harsh accusation. Baby. I'm, well, eight. Eight-year-olds, they're basically babies. Mm -hmm. Now, John Mark Byers did end up passing away in a car accident in 2020, so last year. But I just, I don't know. I don't see him. I, I can see the theory I can see how the theory would make sense, but I just don't... He doesn't strike me as a murderer. He struck me as a weird, eccentric dude, you know? Mm -hmm. So the next theory we're going to touch on is the Bojangles man. Bojangles. I'm not sure if anyone listening has actually been to or heard of Bojangles, but it's a fried chicken fast food joint. It's popular in the Southeast, and it's actually... It's pretty good food. I like it. It's... (laughs) It's, they do like fried chicken. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. It's real, it's real, real, real good. <laughs> there, the, so there was a Bojangles within about a mile of where the murders ha- were committed. 
And around 8.30 p.m., a woman told staff that she walked into the bathroom and saw a man bleeding in the bathroom. He was in his late 20s and an African-American. He was wearing casts on his arms. And the manager, Marty King, noted that he had had blood or excuse me, mud all over his feet. Mud, blood, (laughs) mud, blood bloody mud but there was blood all over himself and the man was like really uh out of it he also saw that the toilet was like filled with poop and that there was poop and blood all over the floor which is weird now the stranger quickly left after marty walked out leaving blood on the wall like smeared across the wall and of course the manager smeared a nice bloody smear so the manager did call the police and about 10 till 9, uh, Officer Regina Meek got there, and she took a statement from the drive through window and also <laughs> she, got herself a combo. She did? I was about to say she picked up. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm totally kidding. She didn't get ask, food. I thought she was going to be like, eh, I'm all mad <laughs> Can I just get, like, a four-piece combo? Yeah, she did not get food, but she did actually take the fucking statement through the window. She did not enter the restaurant to collect evidence or look at the scene. She just took the statement through the window. Like, well, I don't understand how that was a fucking thing. That's super shady. Yeah, super, super shady. Now, the next day, Detective Bryn or Brian, I don't know. It was spelled B-Y-R-N, but Bryn Ridge and Sergeant Mike Allen showed up and uh, they they actually showed up before, like while the staff was starting to clean the bathroom and stopped them. And according to law enforcement, the samples they collected were never tested for some fucking reason and they were later lost. Now, it is unlikely that the that that the Bojangles man was the murderer. He was really out of it and I I, it just it didn't strike that he could have committed this murder, but it is kind of coincidental that it happened like his him being spotted happened around the time that the boys were probably being killed. Yeah. And some people do suspect as well that an, another theory that is perhaps this guy had seen the crime happen and he managed to get away after being badly beaten. And I don't know. He could have also just been a drug addict. It seems like this area did have some some level of um, drug problems. There was a truck stop nearby. He could have very well been a trucker. So I don't know. It all just it, that one seems kind of out there. But it is a strange coincidence that a bloody guy shows up, you know, around the time of the death of three children. Yeah, that is, it seems too coincidental to just be a coincidence. Yes. But, but you know, we don't know. So yeah. now the last one we're going to talk about is Terry Hobbs. He was Stevie Branch's stepfather. And unlike Mark Byers, Terry still publicly believes that the West Memphis Three committed this crime. In a documentary produced by Peter Jackson, which I thought was really interesting, it's called West Memphis. Producers showed three boys that under oath said that one of Terry's nephews named Michael had stated that his uncle had murdered the three boys and that it was like a big family secret. That's shady. Mm-hmm. Hobbs had a history of abuse, specifically child abuse. From what I had read in a couple of different articles, he had even been accused of sexually abusing Stevie Branch's sister, as well as forcing Stevie to watch him masturbate. People are so fucking Which is sick. gross. Yeah, people are gross. Um, now, one of the one piece of evidence that kind of backed this theory up is a couple of hairs that were found at the scene of the crime. One of those was in 
the shoelaces used to tie the boys and this hair matched Terry Hobbs's DNA, but it also did match 1.5% of the population. And from my understanding, hair analysis is not a perfect science. Yeah. It doesn't even seem like blood analysis is a perfect science, to be quite honest. No. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, another hair that was found on a tree stump near the crime scene matched a friend of Terry's named J- David Jacoby. And this evidence, it's pretty weak considering the three boys played at each other's houses pretty often. But then again, why wasn't there any fiber evidence from the rest of like the parents? Yeah, like it seems like more likely just, I don't know, being a woman and knowing how much hair I lose, it would seem more likely that one of the mom's hairs would be stuck in shoelaces than, than right. the dad's. And to me, the because I know in the in like I think the West Memphis three trial, they did like try to say that about like fibers that were found, but those weren't like hair fibers; those were like clothing fibers. Yeah. And if two people bought the same shirt from Walmart, the fibers are going to be the same. So, they tried to use that as evidence, but couldn't use hair evidence. Right. Now, according to Terry's alibi, ironically enough, he and Jacoby were actually hanging out together the night of the murders. And a neighbor also claimed to have seen the two men together with Stevie, Chris, and Mike. A woman named Joe Lynn McGahey, he was one of Stevie's aunts, said that she saw Terry doing laundry that night as well, which people kind of associate with him trying to clean evidence from his clothes, like mud and whatever else may have been on there Mm -hmm. and then another piece of circumstantial evidence that was brought up was about pocket knife of stevie's apparently it was like one of his prized possessions and he always carried it on him and somehow terry hobbs ended up with that knife later on and people kind of found that a little a little strange you know strange yeah but if we want to flip the coin his stepson died maybe he found the knife in the house and was like, oh, this is my kids. I want to keep it. So I, I mean, you know. it could also have been like he got, like he was grounded or he got in trouble. Like he did, he used the knife to took to, it away. He yeah. got he got it taken away. He's an eight year old with a pocket knife. I'm sure he had it taken away several times. Yeah, exactly. You know, little boys they do weird shit. They do. So again, that's not that's not exactly damning. But in 2012, Michael Moore's father commented to the press that he didn't believe Hobbs committed the murder and neither did law enforcement. So, you know, that's not that long ago, really. It's like nine years ago at this point. But as I was researching, I did come across a really interesting, like piece of surprising info. In 2013, two men signed separate affidavits detailing a pretty damning story for the two men. A guy named Billy Wayne Stewart and another guy named Benny Guy, which seem like the fakest fucking names to me. I'm Benny Guy. <laughs> right. I'm Billy Wayne. I don't know. They seem like fake names, but... They do seem like very fake names. But then again, we know right. someone who is named John Wayne, so... That is true. So um, on May... F- they both said that on May 5th, of 1993, Hobbs and Jacoby came and picked up some pot with two teenage boys named L.G. Hollingsworth and Buddy Lucas. Billy stated that he had seen the two men, Jacoby and Hobbs, kissing while waiting in the car. Another thing he said was that the guys were bisexual, but he also knew that they were interested in young boys. Even saying at one point that that Terry Hobbs would bring his son, because remember he was 
a stepfather, he also had kids from a previous marriage, I believe. So he would bring his son to like pool parties. I don't know. Just real weird shit, like inappropriate kind of shit with his kid. Mm -hmm. And we also know, we also already know he was accused of uh, sexual misconduct with kids. Yeah. Buddy Lucas later told Stuart, one of the, so one of the teenage boys that was with them later told Stuart that they did ride around drinking and smoking before heading off to a dirt road. And when they got to a secluded area, Hobbs and Jacoby wanted them to get out of the car and wrestle while they watched. Um, Billy did say that there was an implication that the wrestling turned into something of a more sexual nature. And while this was happening, apparently Terry Hobbs noticed that Stevie Branch, Michael Moore and Chris Byers had like ridden up on their bicycles and had seen what was going on. And according to what uh, Billy had said was that they caught hold of the boys and obviously we know what the result would have been if this story was true and they murdered them. Apparently Hobbs and Jacoby threatened to do the same to Hollingsworth and Lucas if they ever said anything. So according to Billy Stewart, he did try to tell law enforcement, but they never returned his calls. And then uh, Benny Guy in his affidavit said that Buddy confessed his involvement in the murders to him while living with him in 1994, so about a year after the murders. And Guy also claimed to have sent prosecutor Scott Ellington a letter describing the confessions in February of 2012, but he never responded. I, which is weird. Like, why wait until 2012 if he told you in 1994? That's a long time. That's 12 years. That is a long time. Right? But at the same no, time. No, that's 16 years. I don't know. Regardless, that's a long fucking time. But then at the same time, why that's make it up? That's eight years. I was wrong. Right. Also, why make it up? And to me, this story seems somewhat plausible in the sense that there are two signed affidavits um, that were s- from separate people. Mm-hmm. But we also already know that somebody can very easily lie under oath. We saw that in the trial with fucking what's her name and her kid who claimed to have seen shit that they just didn't see Mm -hmm. coming from Damien yeah you know so it's I don't know man it's that one's again it's it's like there's no real physical evidence tying anybody to this crime except for the two hairs really and obviously the clothing fiber but the clothing fiber is a lot harder to match than hairs in my opinion oh yeah well that's currently, I mean, that's all that we have currently. Um, unfortunately, we may never end up getting answers to, to who actually committed the murders of Stevie Branch, Michael Moore, and Christopher Moore. We never, we may never get those answers, unfortunately. But I do still, I know that the West Memphis Three, and I believe more specifically Damien, are still working to clear their names of the crime. Um I know that recently they filed motions concerning evidence that had been quote unquote lost or damaged, destroyed, whatever. Um, he recently filed motions concerning that. So if we ever get any decent updates about this crime, we'll be sure to update everybody. That's just so sad. Yeah, it is. It's really sad that the families may not get the opportunity to get true closure. Mm-hmm. It's just so like... It's kind of terrifying. What did the moms do when their husbands were accused of, or like theories came out that their husbands were the murderers? You know, I am actually not going to lie. I didn't see a whole lot about that, surprisingly. Hmm. That's a that's actually a really good question. Um, 
maybe I'll look into that and give everybody a little a little update on Patreon or something. But I don't know. I feel like they're if they truly believe that they didn't do it, then there would have been a statement of the moms being like, "Yeah, no, my husband didn't do it." Uh, there very well could have been, and I just didn't see it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I don't know. That's just like it's kind of wild to me. And I guess like I mean, if any, I believe. Um, what was the last guy's name? Not Mark. Terry Hobbs. Terry. <laughs> if I believe any of them, I believe Terry. I think to me that is the most plausible theory. Mm-hmm. But you know, like like I said, it's it's just a theory. But yeah, so that's what I have for you guys. I know it was a little bit shorter, but we were a little cramped on time since Liz and I decided to make bad decisions over the weekend and didn't have time to record or over the week and didn't have time to record when we were originally supposed to. <laughs> Fine by but me. Hey, it's okay. It's fine. It's it's fine. Well, do you want to finish off with a little a little game or something? Something that doesn't involve me having to put this microphone down. I'm literally holding it as if I'm eating an apple. Yes, you are. I love it. We can do, do you want to do uh, like, uh, would you rather? Yeah. Okay. Would you rather have your eyelashes plucked out one by one or sleep in a bed of insects? Eyelashes. Ow. I could but not. But I get it. I could not sleep. I, I want you to know that having like pulling my eyelashes is one of like my my cringy things but i could not sleep in a bed full of bugs i actually did not know that so i i'm glad i hit it hit the nail on the head with that one yeah once upon a time my mother told me a story how she accidentally like like she thought it was an eye like she had an eyelash that was falling down and she thought it was like loose but she couldn't grab it so she took tweezers and pulled and she plucked her (laughs) eyelash yeah nope Mm. (laughs) that sounds so painful would you rather I have one, but I just don't know the other. Would you rather have all of your piercings get infected simultaneously and, like, I don't know what the word is, like, continuously, like, just always be infected Mm. Mm -hmm. or eat one of Umbrasil's testicles? Question. Would the testicles be, like, cooked you could cook it however you wanted and not like formaldehyded but and like non-formaldehyde like fresh cook like a rocky mountain oyster yes but your own dog's yeah it, easily easily easy answer i would 100 percent have to say cook and eat my dog's testicles <laughs> because you think about it like people eat rocky mountain oysters all the time mm-hmm. i just would have to pretend they weren't his fair all right good answer <laughs> um on that note good episode i know it was a little bit short but we were cramped for time today um we love you guys we're really grateful to have you guys as listeners and our patreons should have gotten a goodie in the mail except for tiff i have to send yours out i love you i appreciate (laughs) you i still have to send yours out even though you live right next to me i'm so sorry Um, But we love you guys. We appreciate everybody's support. Don't forget to give us a follow on our social medias. Um, We have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's all at the TSIF podcast. Super easy to find. We also have our website, which is the TSIF podcast dot Wix dot site forward slash the TSIF podcast. And then, of course, we have our big cartel shop where we have some stickers in the store that you guys can buy four for ten dollars they're really cute stickers and uh we made them we had them designed 
by um, a, a couple of them. One of them? One of them was designed by a really cool artist. She goes by Seraphim Blush uh, on Instagram and they are really pretty. That's Big Cart's shop, bigcartel.com slash the TSIF podcast, I believe, which it is also linked on our website. And then, of course, we have our Patreon. If you want to show us a little love, we uh, we are at patreon.com slash the TSIF podcast. We have a couple different tiers. Um, right now, we are kind of paused on our vlogs and our bonus episodes while we catch up on the ones we've already done for you guys. Um, but we'll get those out at some point to you. And uh, the top tier patrons also do get a monthly tarot card reading and a postcard sent in the mail with a fun little uh handwritten note on it so thanks guys thanks for listening i was about to say watching but this is a podcast and you don't watch podcasts you listen to them thanks for listening to us ramble we love you all right guys thanks for listening and we will talk to you guys soon bye Bye.